everybody. Welcome to the Connecting Badgers podcast. My name is Casey Tice, LPC. I use she and hers pronouns. I am an access specialist and care manager here through UHS. It's important to note that this podcast does not replace mental health treatment and should not be considered as such. If you are interested in learning more about seeking mental health treatment at UHS, you can webbook a confidential access appointment through the My UHS portal. There is no problem too small to schedule an access appointment. Access specialists are here to discuss your concerns and assist you in getting connected to mental health resources. If you have any questions about meeting with an access specialist, you can call the MHS front desk at 608-265-5600, option number two, and we will answer any questions you have before you schedule. Or if you would prefer to get connected to a provider outside of UHS, we can assist with this also. And as a reminder, you can access 24-7 crisis resources. These include the UHS Crisis Line at 608-265-5600, option 9. And in the event of an emergency, please dial 911. So today we are meeting with Jennifer Moulton, PhD, Assistant Director of Training at UHS, um, and Kari Troy, MSE, a postgraduate fellow in the training program here at UHS. So thank you both so much for joining us today on our podcast. So today um, we wanted to feature MHS's training programs just to have listeners learn more about the programs offered, in particular for those applying or potentially considering in the future. Um, mainly today we're going to be focusing on the postgraduate fellowship program, but just wanted to talk a little bit more about what these programs look like. Uh, I know MHS offers a lot of training programs, opportunities. Um, it seems like there's a lot of different levels and programs offered. So I just wanted to ask a little bit more about um, what these programs are. And I think maybe I would put it over to Jen to maybe just give a, an overview of what they are. Mm -hmm. We have a really awesome training program that is quite massive um, in terms of the different levels of experience that we offer to trainees at different levels of education. So first off, we have um, our master's and doctoral level practicum and field placement trainees here. And so these are students who are getting pursuing master's degrees in the field of counseling, social work, um, as well as doctoral students in psychological counseling, as well as clinical psychology. Um, or clinical psychology and counseling psychology. That's right. There we go. Um, <laughs> and these are students who are currently in their training programs or their degree programs who are seeking placements to build their clinical skills. And so they do um, an academic year here um, from end of August through mid-May, um, getting experience doing individual and group counseling and doing some outreach work with us here. Um, then there are our doctoral interns, and these are folks who are in their final year of their either counseling or clinical psychology programs, and they come from universities from all across the country um, and match with us here um, for their final year of training before they graduate from their programs. Then we have our postgraduate fellowship 
app, which are for folks who are either graduating from master's programs in a mental health field, such as counseling, um, marriage and family therapy, social work, um, and and or um, graduating from a doctoral level program um, and are needing hours post-degree um, of training before they can get licensed in their field of study. Excellent. And that's, again, what most of our focus would be today was the postgraduate fellowship. Um, I know it does give a lot of really good descriptions on the website, too, of our training programs, which um, we can post on here, too, for people to see. And I think one of the things that really, like, stood out to me in terms of, um, you know, maybe what makes this program particularly different is that there is training in like a specific emphasis area um, that is encouraged. Could you all tell me a little bit more about that and what exactly that that means? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So um, we start off our training experience as providing like what we call like a generalist training experience. So getting really solid skills and being individual counseling providers, providing group therapy, doing outreach services, maybe being involved in our beh behavioral health program, which works with students coming into our medical departments and maybe presenting with mental health concerns and being a nice bridge um, for, for care that way. Um, but then the unique part that you mentioned about our emphasis area is that trainees seeking to have opportunities here with us get to let us know what are areas that they really want to get more specialized experience in, whether this be working with specific populations, such as working with BIPOC students, LGBTQ students, um, uh, trans and gender diverse students, um, opportunities of working primarily with couples. Um, we also then have opportunities to specialize in other specific services, such as working with survivors or um, doing more crisis work or working with eating disorders or substance use concerns. And so and the list goes on, <laughs> the, the, the different different types of possibilities that people may have interests in. Um, and when trainees start with us, we have conversations about, well, what are your areas of interest? Where do you want to grow? And then we kind we co-develop what that would then look like in terms of the breakdown of how many hours towards um, this emphasis area will, will folks be doing of how many students they'll be working with or what types of groups they might be involved in, campus partnerships that folks may be involved in, committees or teams within our agency that people may join um, to get really focused experiences in, in different areas. And so Kari, you can speak to what that's looked like for you. Yeah, I feel like this was one thing that really drew me to this position is seeing all the different emphases that I could focus on, because as a new clinician, I've found that there's just so many areas I'm interested in. So getting lots of opportunities to focus on different populations in different areas. Um, I'm currently getting to be an LGBTQ focus provider, as well as provide services for eating disorder assessments and things like that with groups and things. And that's something that we've been able to co-create of what my experience is going to look like. And that was a conversation from day one is like, how are we going to make this experience something that feels meaningful and you get to get those training experiences that you're looking for. And so that's been really awesome so far. And I'm looking forward to 
getting to continue on that journey next semester and onward. And I think even beyond like this, we say like folks can choose a specific emphasis area. And then for folks like Kari, who have a diverse array of interests, we've also been um, very supportive of trying to explore, well, if you have more than one interest that you want to explore, how might, might you get some of those opportunities? So we don't wanna overwhelm people by trying to do it all at once, but it's more about exploring, well, maybe we'll try this in the fall and do a little bit more of this in the spring, um, or how might you get even like a taste of this one experience um, while having maybe more focused experience in this other area. Um, so even in addition to doing the LGBTQ focused work and eating disorders like this past year, you've been involved on our outreach team too. Mm -hmm. um, and so getting more focused experience there as well, even though that's not your formal emphasis. Absolutely. I feel like, yeah, even beyond the emphasis areas, if, if I feel like there is something that I see that we offer here that I'm in interested in like there are spaces for me to talk about that interest and then have little tastes here and there do a group that's focused in that area have be a part of a team getting to do multiple things and starting to figure out like what, what fits for me clinically what feels right what do I want to continue doing and and that's a really cool part of this I think that's so exciting to hear and, and what's um just great about our program and being here. I think there's this perception sometimes with college mental health that it's very like in a box or it's only, you know, dealing with certain populations or issues or concerns, but it's pretty, pretty varied from, from hearing about it. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious too, of just what is your, um, like day to day, like what, do, what does that mean? Right. What are like some of the the trainings that are involved, um, what are some of the like services offered then through this program? Like, what do you do? Yeah, so I can talk about some of the trainings that I'm doing um, day to day. So one thing that I get to do is a group therapy seminar where I get to meet with other people in the training program, as well as groups coordinator and Jen and get to talk about what groups have been like, get to really hone in on our group skills. Um, that's one program. We also have a multicultural seminar where we get to talk about what it's like to work with different populations. And typically, each time we have that seminar, we focus on a different population. Um, and, and that's a really cool part of this experience that you might not always get at other places to get to do trainings in that area. Um, I'm also a part of the behavioral health seminar where I get to talk with the people who are in charge of behavioral health. And like Jen talked about, it's basically just like a referral service from medical. If medical is sensing some mental health concerns or people are disclosing different concerns, getting that easy way in to see a provider um, that may people may not otherwise reach out for. Um, and then additionally, getting to do group supervision and individual supervision, getting more, um, you know, weekly supervisions, at least three hours a week, which I know for at least the license that I'm going for, the counseling license is typically only required that you get one and you get all that more support here, um, which can be really important. I feel like when you're first starting a field like this, um, I'm trying to think if I forgot of any other trainings. I mean, 
for sure, it, like we said, with the emphases, if if you're interested in specific areas, you'll have trainings and seminars and things like that. Like, for instance, outreach team meets weekly. Um, I have different eating disorder consult spaces, um, things like that are that are also kind of part of the the training. But with the kind of scheduled seminars, the the group multicultural and behavioral health. Um, and it can vary from different programs. Mm -hmm. And I think then within that, so all of those seminars and supervision spaces and consult spaces that you're a part of help support the, the direct service that you're then providing. Um, so then um, all of these um, are spaces to talk about the work that you're then doing um, and getting support around that, getting consultation, getting guidance on how do you navigate in these different spaces as you're providing group therapy, as you're conducting eating disorder assessments, as you're um, providing individual counseling and thinking about um, the different identities that folks come in with and types of experiences they may have and what areas to be sensitive to, ways to reflect upon yourself and understand and how you are part of um, the work that you are doing and what kinds of things may influence you to respond to different situations in different ways to be able to be mindful of that um, in the work that you're doing. And so um, it's a huge strength of our program that there are so many layers of support that we offer to folks getting training here that it can sound like a lot of like, man, <laughs> that is a lot of supervision. Do I need that much? And, and you know, like we try and use a developmental model of the there's more layers of support the earlier you are in your experience and more um, independent work that you get to do as you advance um, within our program. Um, and it ends up being a benefit to be able to, to know that like as professionals in the mental health field, you're always learning. Even when you're way advanced in the field, you're always learning. There's always room to grow. And so setting that foundation in our program is really important and, and I think helps um, instill a value for continued learning beyond your degree programs and beyond kind of meet, meeting that hours requirement <laughs> um, to continue like challenging yourself to consult and ask for help and um, think about things in nuanced ways. Yeah, that makes me think about just in my graduate program, how often they talked about how important it is to consult. Like when you're in doubt, always consult, always do that. And I mean, I have so many like places where it's just part of my schedule rather than scurrying around trying to figure out when am I going to make the time to reach out to people. Um, I have that built in, which is is a really cool benefit. Yeah, it seems like the layers and level of support is is so, so valuable here. Um, well, I'm kind of curious, too, more about like your your personal experiences with Akari as you had recently gone through this application process. Like I'm I'm curious, was there anything that, um, you know, made you apply to and, and ultimately choose UW? Were there things that that really drew you in or like what has your experience been like, too, since you've since you've been here and in the program? Yeah, so in terms of applying, I mean, I, through internship and things, was just hearing about how great of a placement and job that UW can be, um, had interest in college counseling, but also just 
like I said before, had so many different interest areas and being in, you know, a college setting really has proven to be a way to hone in on those interests, especially at a university like UW. I know that, you know, there could be different challenges to getting different experiences at different places, but there's just so many opportunities here um, and just has a really good reputation. And also um, in terms of the actual application, was able to do that, submit that online and then meet with um, quite a few different people in the interview process. And I think my personal experience was just that it felt really good in the interview, really genuine and um, also had space to connect with people outside of the interview, got to connect with the director, also got to meet with Jen and the director of training and things outside of that and get to just have a lot of support in making the decision on if I wanted to be here or not. Um, and it's just, it felt that way and it felt genuine and that just kind of led me into this this job and as I've continued it just it's felt consistent it's felt like the support has continued in any time I need to make a decision or have questions or things there's people that I can reach out to um, so it's been a really great experience to be so supported early on in my career um, and I think Another thing that just really drew me to this is, I don't know, I guess just the the continuing education, like feeling uncertain of like, I did my graduate program and I still feel like there's so much more to learn. And I feel like the more I learn, the more I know that I'm just going to continue learning and learning. And I think that this is a place that allows that, which is really important to me and important to me to be a clinician that continues to learn, which has space for that here. Yeah, well, and I I realized too, this is a, this is a large topic too that we could certainly talk about for a while, but I wanted to know more about um, like details too. So what does the um, like requirement look like for this program? Like in terms of uh, like, how long does it take to meet licensure hours and such? Yeah, so it depends on each field. As somebody who graduated from a professional counseling graduate program and is eligible for LPCIT and getting that license is my goal is to ultimately be licensed as a professional counselor. It takes 3,000 hours to get towards that license with a thousand of those hours being um, direct service. And that typically takes about two years, depending on, you know, how many clients you have and also just, um, you know, licensure requirements and how long that takes and things like that. Um, but I feel like one thing that's really nice about this fellowship specifically is that I get signed on for the first year and then have the option to continue for a second year to continue towards that license. So it really gives you that space to get those hours and um, get those client experiences too, because I know that it sounds like there's a lot of, you know, required trainings and things, but you also do get, you know, half of your case, like half of your hours are 
still direct service. So you're still getting the hours um, that you need to get towards licensure. It's not any particular like added requirements per se. And then um, the distinction then as um, Kari had mentioned is that if you're graduating from a master's level program that the hours requirements towards licensure is about 3000, whereas if you're graduating from a doctoral program um, and starting here, it's about a 2000 hour um, or 2000 hour requirement that um, typically takes is done within one year here. Um, so folks who are starting here as postgrads at the postdoctoral level typically only stay for one year and um, have, <laughs> I think where it's like the nuances where it's like, it get, it's like both boring and interesting all at the same time <laughs> is that postdocs tend to do like 60% of their time um, as direct clinical service, whereas in 40% in some of those training experiences, such as the different supervisions that they get and may or may not attend some of those seminars, depending on what experience they had come in before. So those ones are more optional. Um, whereas um, at the postmaster's level, at, especially for the first year, there's all that involvement in the seminars. And then the second year would probably have more independence um, while still having different, again, always layers of support, no matter where you're at. Um, but what the, those layers look like varies depending on where you're at within your program. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, and walking it back now, I'm thinking if people are hearing this, what about like the application process, the the steps involved to that? Um, and I realize that's also a big question too, depending on the program, but yeah, curious to know more there. Mm -hmm. Well, and this, this is a little challenging to answer right at this point, because the, the way that we've structured our postgraduate program for when Kari started it is actually different from how we've had it historically, um, where historically we've only had folks who are graduating from doctoral programs. And last year was the first year, or in terms of timeline for application, um, was when we started considering having folks join at a post-master's level instead. And so there were nuances in how we went about of like, well, what would the qualifications look like? How would this program look similar or different from what we've offered before? And, um, and so when we are sharing about our postgraduate program, we're wanting it to be inclusive of folks who are both graduating from postdoc from doctoral programs and master's levels. And because we have doctoral interns currently, we've talked about having some, if some of them are wanting to stay for our postgraduate program, we're starting there first. Um, and then, so we don't necessarily have a great sense of how many positions will have open for the coming year, but we will soon. Um, and when we have available positions, we'll post that information on our website um, sometime in February. So to be more specific in that is when we'll have a better sense of when that application process will begin. Um, that being said, um, for applications, those are basically submitted to me, um, and I will review those um, with our training team, possibly some of our current postgrads, um, to have them involved in the process as well. Um, and from there, we go on to offer interviews to folks who seem like good fits here. Um, and the interviews we offer virtually, and those the interviews are an opportunity to. Um, 
um, meet with myself as the primary point person for our post-grad program um, and opportunities to meet with our current post-grad fellows to ask some of those questions that maybe they're wanting some of like the responses that Kari would give that are different from how maybe I might respond to things or wanting to get like the real scoop on how things are going in case I'm giving too flowery of a presentation of what <laughs> what things are like. Um, and then, uh, so th that's like the formal part, but we always um, also give information of who else to contact within our agency if folks have additional questions. And so there are opportunities to meet with other folks involved. Yeah. And I know, again, that was, there was a lot of layers to it, which I appreciate mm -hmm. you, you answering. There's um, also a lot of good information on our website too, in terms of mm -hmm. um, steps, processes, I think also your email address too, <laughs> if, if folks have questions or anything about that process. Um, I guess, I mean, in terms of like wrapping up, I know we talked a lot about um you know, some things, Kari, that you really liked about this program and things that you like about being a postgraduate fellow. Was there anything else you could think of you would want to share in that way or even just like helpful advice to those who might be applying or potential applicants, anything like that? Yeah. Um, I think just to reiterate the amount of support you get, also um, just kind of thinking about what it what differs is that I feel like a position like this really eases you into the work and in terms of like clinical work, getting to um, build your caseload and also have that extra support, extra consultation, extra things just in your schedule. So um, in that way, I imagine it's it's less abrupt of like you graduate and then all of a sudden you're doing full-time clinical work um, where in this position, like, yes, I'm still doing full-time work and there's just added support with it. Um, something I've really appreciated about this program and about the team is just um, just how supportive it's been, but also like getting built in time to just talk to other cohort members, um, other people in training. Every week we get to meet for an hour and a half just to really just give each other support and ask for support and really make that space whatever we want of it. Like it's, it's just us. We get this private space where we just get to um, talk about what it's like to be in this program. Um, in addition to like so much professional development beyond just trainings, like getting, I think it's like 10 days of professional development, also getting those monies and things to work towards professional development and really getting to do whatever kinds of things that you're wanting to do. Um, and I think in addition to that, if you're still taking exams and things, getting getting that kind of stuff, support with that. Um, so those are all, you know, other additions to being in a program like this. Um, I guess in terms of advice is, I think something that always feels important for me personally is, is how it feels to communicate with the people that you work with. And um, it's it's hard to tell in an interview type process of like, what is this work environment going to be like? 
Um, but I've found that at least in this experience, just trusting my gut has been really important to just like see what things feel like in the interview and then um, see what kind of support is offered beyond the interview and things like that. But just, yeah, trusting your gut and seeing what feels right for you is kind of my main piece of advice. And one of the things that I just wanted to also mention about like a unique facet of our program, especially for like the addition of broadening the postgraduate program to not just be postdoctoral, but postmasters, is that postmasters training programs don't exist very broadly like they're they're not widely available and yet they're so valuable to have that experience because no matter what you graduate from your program and there's a number of hours that you have to gain to towards licensure and a lot of places don't offer adequate support to get those like those hours in a way where we're the support is there um the guidance is there the professional development and so um so i think that that has been something that's been really valuable that we've been able to offer and are excited to be able to offer and um, and continue offering towards the future, so. Well, thank you both so much for your time and, and being on today to share more about the program. I appreciate it so much. Um, and for everybody listening, feel free to tag us by using the hashtag connecting badgers on social media with any thoughts, feedback, requests for topics, questions you have, or if you know of anyone who might benefit from this information, share our podcast with a friend. And also you can check out MHS's Instagram, which is UW underscore MHS. Thanks for listening. And as a reminder, if you are struggling, you can always access our crisis line for support wherever you are, whenever you need at 608-265-5600, option number nine. Thanks, everyone.